Hey, real quick, before we start, just want to let you know that episode three of Trail Grit is live on YouTube, and I think you should watch it, especially if you're trying to go for a race that you're uncertain about whether or not you can finish. Goodbye. Brian Ames. That's right, Brian Ames. You might know him as the maker of the hot sauce Ghost of Saffron, or for his YouTube channel where he reviews hot sauce, or his skateboard company, Revive Skateboards, or his gaming channel on YouTube, or any number of other things. But we're here today because he's also an ultra runner. And you'd be surprised to learn the crossover of hot sauce and ultra running. I'm serious. Once you've committed to a hot sauce, there is no DNF. So you have to figure out how to survive difficult moments when there's no way out. And that's why he's so ambitious going into his next Backyard Ultra. I loved this conversation. Welcome, Brian Ames. All right, well, welcome to the DFL Before DNF podcast. I'm particularly excited about today with Brian Ames for a number of reasons, uh, one is his connection to skateboarding. I, lately, you know, myself having grown up skateboarding, the more I talk about skateboarding within ultra trail running, the more I'm seeing that there's like this deep connection, like legitimately deep connection between people who used to skateboard when they were younger and maybe don't skateboard anymore. But there's there's a certain mentality that came with that. I've even seen that with some friends in like BMX biking as well, that these mentalities within within those sports – you know, at the time, you know, when X Games first came out, like there's this mentality, right? Like that uh, brings us into ultra running. I've seen that uh, as I continue on all of the separate journeys, I have seen more similarities between what I do and uh, and, and everything, you know, like skateboarders have become ultra runners. Yeah. Uh, and then like sort of the experiences that you have in like eating spicy foods, hot sauce, things like that. Honestly, <laughs> there's just a lot of like similar mindsets when it comes to all of it, you know? Yeah. Like I, I get it. <laughs> I, I love it. And so, you know, we, we cross paths on – on Instagram, I think trail running on Instagram is strong mm-hmm. and uh, it's the place to be for that, you know, to find, find out what's going on out there. But yeah, you're particularly interesting because your, your world comes by way to, to me initially, just as a kind of a hot sauce fan. And I'm not like center of the target hot sauce fan. I'm just a, I'm a fan. So I came across you there. Then I see that you're a ultra runner and it's like kind of the, the perfect marriage of everything. So before Absolutely. we jump in, I see that Cincinnati hat or is that where you're yeah. from? Is that where you live? Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I'm from Buffalo, New York originally, but okay. I've, been, I've been in Cincinnati most of my life. I moved here when I was nine. so I, I Okay, because you don't sound like someone from Buffalo. No, no. I lost the uh, the northern accent a little bit younger in life. Where are you? I'm in Salt Lake City, but I'm, from, I'm originally from Lubbock, Texas. Okay. But I've been here for 22 years, so I lost my West Texas accent. You know, I really tried hard to lose it. <laughs> uh, my father moved us here when I was nine. My father worked for uh, for Kellogg's and okay. uh, Kroger uh, grocery stores are yep. based kind of out of they're, they're from Battle Creek, Michigan, but there's uh, their headquarters here is in Cincinnati. And sure. um, my father was in charge of like uh, the Kroger account for Kellogg's basically. So moved okay. us here when we were nine. So did you inherit the Cincinnati teams? Are you a Bengals fan and obviously a Reds fan? Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm a big Bengals fan, big Reds fan. Um, I'm still like a Buffalo Bills fan. It's uh, funny. Like my my dad, when uh, he would go to like a Bengals, when the Bills and the Bengals would play, he would like wear a Bengals jersey and a Bills hat and get a bunch of of crap for it at the same time, but he didn't care. Nice. How old are you? Uh, 39. Okay, so you were around in those years, those difficult years for Buffalo when they yeah, I was at like what four Super Bowls, four in a row. I was at the third one, the first time they played. Yeah, first time they played the Cowboys. Michael Jackson did the halftime show. We got smoked. We got smoked. I I can't remember the score, but it was not close. I was uh, nine years old, forty-one. Okay, and I was a diehard Cowboys fan. So those were. There you go. Last time we had a good year for you. (laughs) Yeah, that's it though. But nothing, nothing since. Gotcha. Yeah, and then, but I do remember the Reds. I I had a Reds hat in 1990 after they won the World Series because I was I was such a fan of Barry Larkin. Yeah, so I moved to Cincinnati right after the Reds were good, and so <laughs> I've, I've only got suffering in my life. There's we've I've never had I've never been in a city where we actually won a championship. I've only I've been there for the bad, and I have missed all of the good and moved here where I was going to be terrible. <laughs> That's perfect. So yeah. in, in Cincinnati, though, as a kid, were you skateboarding? Uh, yeah, I started skateboarding in, let me think, uh, 1999 is when I started. Okay. So I was, how old would I have been, 15 years old there? Okay, were you a Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 guy? Uh, I was when it came out. I was I started skating before those came out. So like that was like high school and things like yep. that. But that was Same. like, uh, that just like uh, added fuel, fuel to the fire kind of situation. So uh-huh. like I was probably skateboarding for like three years when those games came out. And then it just okay. like ignited skateboarding, you know? Yeah. So uh, I gained so many friends in high school because of that. Cause I think like, I feel like a lot of my friends started skating because of that, you know? Yeah. So yeah, uh, I just, it helped a lot. That's awesome. Were, were you, um, were you into like pro skating? Did you have pro skaters at the time when you first started that you, you know, that you looked up to, or were you watching like VHS, you know, skate tapes and stuff back then? Oh, absolutely. You know, we had a pile of tapes. Some of them were dubbed over. Some of them we were kids like, uh, you know, we take two VCRs, dub them over. We'd be sharing them back and yeah. forth. These, you know, VHS tapes with three videos on it. You know, we'd always uh, meet at somebody's house in high school and like watch a video or two and then go skate. Yeah, kind of get hyped and get hyped up. You know, like yeah. um, like my first video was um, Toy Machines Jump Off a Building. Okay, so that was my first video. I think that came out in '99 or 2000. Okay. I would have definitely seen. It. Who was skating for Toy Machine back then? That would have been like Kerry Getz, Bam Margera, like way Damn. before the Jackass stuff. Yeah. Like way, yeah. like way before that. Uh, Mike Maldonado, Chris Sen, um, Alyssa Steamer. Alyssa Steamer. Um, She's still going. Yeah, she just had like the cover of Thrasher last month. She's still That's clicking crazy. It's been, been um, around for else was on the team. I love that video so much, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's such a good one. Yeah, man. We uh, <clears throat> we would watch and then go skate. In Lubbock, there wasn't many places to go skate. In well, there was one skate park. That lasted for a little bit, but man, it was like, and not to get into ultra running too quick here, but it's like the all day grind, like those all day yeah. sessions where you just go out and, and work hard and for sure. the payoff is in, I think in skateboarding, there's more payoffs in the moment than maybe with ultra running, but God, those are, those are some of my, you know, I'll forever remember those late nineties skate, you know, that whole skate team was so much fun. I remember that we used to like uh, the amount of skating we could do when I was in high school, we had a change cup in my car and I was the only guy who had a driver's license. And uh-huh. so we could skate for as much as we could buy gas with the change cup that was in the middle of my car. So <laughs> we all just kind of donated to it. And that was our session, you know, like, cause we'd be going from spot to spot. And so if we had enough change to buy gas to get there, then that's how we did it. Oh, and then when we it. ran out of money, then time to go home. Yeah. 
<laughs> one of my other favorite connections from that time, like the one of the most watched movies of junior high for me was Mallrats. Yeah, and I couldn't believe when Mallrats, you know, what I love there, I didn't know that Jason Lee was a professional skateboarder before that. Yeah. So yeah. then we went and dug up some of those old VHSs. I can't remember who, I don't know, maybe you do. I, I don't remember who he uh, who he skated for, but there was a, like a great uh, video blind. of him. Like, it, Who was it? Blind. Blind. And then he was in yeah. like some like super long car driving. And he was, I was yeah. blown away by how good he was. Yeah. Um, so tell me about what you do with, in the world of skateboarding before we move on to other things. You have, uh, you have some skate companies. Yeah. So um, I own two skateboarding companies. I own a skateboard company called Revive Skateboards and also Force Wheels. So we, we, um, we, in Cincinnati, we, we just do distribution out of our warehouse here in Cincinnati. But um, my business partner, Andy Schrock, is, um, he got really big on YouTube, like right in the beginning. Okay. And he started making like kind of just like funny skits and funny skateboarding related stuff. Uh-huh. And people were like, hey, you should like make some skateboards because he's always doing skateboard stuff. Hmm. And so he made is like this that same old story where like you make fifty sell fifty buy a hundred sell them buy one hundred and fifty and just keep on going. Yeah. Yeah. And he was getting super popular on YouTube, and we were fr- like we were really good friends growing up. And eventually he got to the point was like, hey dude, you want to like help me try to run this and like make it a legitimate company? And I was like, awesome. yeah. And that was um, eleven years ago. Oh wow! And uh, so uh, it was called Revenge Skateboards at the time, and okay. we rebranded when we had to trademark. Um, so we rebranded from revenge to revive about a, a little over a decade ago now, almost, almost 11 years now. And, um, and the rest is kind of, kind of history. So we've been doing that, that for 11 years. I love it. What, what's sort of like the, the value proposition of revive? What, what's your angle? What's your, what's your place in, in skateboarding? Um, we just like to show the the fun side of skateboarding. We like to yeah. make it really, really relatable. Um, yeah. you know, so like most of our riders are incredibly talented. So some of our riders are the best, some of the best skateboarders in the world. Um, nice. but everybody is like, is a, just a very relatable personality fun. We just have, it's like, <laughs> we try to maintain the same, like, we, so when we were kids, we had this group and we called ourselves the Beachmont mob and the Beachmont, like it was this main drag in Cincinnati that we would skate all the time. Mm-hmm. And we were just a crew of friends hanging out and just having great time. And we kind of try to like maintain that level of like family uh, within the, the company since we've been doing yeah. it. So a lot of our riders have been with the company since the very beginning or are just kind of like down for our values. That's and so awesome. we have a very, very, very low turnover rate in our team. And so That's incredible. Everybody's, everybody's considered family and most have been there since the very beginning. Nice. Man, well, I love even just, and I'll put it in the show notes, just the, the your deck designs are awesome. I appreciate I, I, that. I want to do a collaboration with you at some point because I think yeah we should we should uh, I, we've talked about that briefly but we yeah. we should absolutely make that happen so um, oh, I'd be all our designer I'd love to have a skate team that's Borderlands and none of us actually skate we just used to skate that'd be so sick that'd be so sick <laughs> that's, that's the criteria you have to have skated before there you go I love it um, okay so you I mean I, I clearly love the skateboarding piece and then you also have this other arm of hot sauce this hot mm-hmm. sauce world. Uh-huh. Uh, first tell us about that. Then I'm curious of the connection, like where these, where, where like the Venn diagram overlap is between the things that you do. So like, okay. So I uh, just, so hot sauce. So like my, so Andy, my business partner, he was super yeah. big on YouTube and I wanted to kind of like find my voice on YouTube and, uh-huh. and like make my own channel and figure out like, you know what I want to do. Um, 
And so I was like, oh, man, I don't know. I, I, I felt weird at first, like having a camera pointed at me. Like, I'm so awkward in a camera. I don't want to do this. And so like, I held off for the longest time. And people – I would be in all of these guys' videos all the time. And so I got a little more comfortable. And I was like, all right, it's time to, time to launch my own channel. Now what do I want to do? And so I was like, you know, I don't know. I like spicy food. And so this was in like 2017, I think. And um, – yeah, 17. And the Pocky One Chip Challenge, like the very first one had just yep. came out, if you've heard of that. Oh, and yeah. it was the very first one. It was like Pocky as a brand had just launched. And so I was like, I don't know. I'll do this because I think it'll be super hot and people are going to love to see me suffering on the internet. And so yeah. I we took like a slice. We take that chip and then actually put like a slice of an actual Carolina Reaper on it, which is like <laughs> way hotter than I should have done for like a first video. Yeah. And so I eat it with Andy. He's my business partner. And eat with him, you know, we're suffering and dying and blah, blah, blah. And the video turned out great and people loved it. And so I was like, all right, I don't know. I'll, uh, maybe I'll, if people like the first one, maybe I'll make a second one. Mm-hmm. And so I just basically kept on like making videos around spicy food. And then I got into hot sauce. And then um, I uh, met so many people in the hot sauce industry. And people started mm-hmm. to, and I, I guess I started to like accidentally like reviewing hot sauces. And then people, <laughs> and like I've got a, like a somewhat culinary background. Like I worked in restaurants. Okay. And, um, but I have like no, no formal like tasting, you know, uh, right. stuff. But um, I would have opinions on hot sauce. And people started to like understand my opinions or appreciate my opinions a little bit. And then, you know, started talking to a lot of hot sauce makers. And then all of a sudden I'm kind of like this uh, slight <laughs> voice for the industry. And, um, so more, I, I've more just like completely fallen in love with it. So I just have yeah. a really deep appreciation for the hot sauce makers that are making really high quality stuff. And it's yeah. a wonderful industry full of wonderful people. I mean, I, I assume it's probably like other, um, uh, items that sort of grew up in the last 10 to 15 years where there was like the mass produced stuff and stuff and everybody was into it. And then all of a sudden there started to be like local market makers, farmer's market type vibes of that sort of stuff. Is, is that yeah, you know, I, how that's evolved? I see it to sort of like how craft beer was like five to 10 years ago. Yeah. So like in Cincinnati, like, you know, 10 years ago, there's probably like 10, like two breweries. And now I think there's over a hundred breweries in Cincinnati, you know? And so I think it's that hot sauce is kind of like in that same like trajectory where it's like, it's catching on right now. It's not as big as like craft beer is, but I think it's it's getting big. The industry is growing and growing more and more every year. So it's just yeah. going to be a bigger force. Yeah. And I saw that you, you – did you release your own? Yeah. So I've um, I've got uh, two full-time sauces and then one like um, uh, li- very limited release. Uh, but I've got a good friend who owns a company called High Desert. And okay. they're in Tucson, Arizona. Oh, nice. And um, – we are uh, like the style of sauces that we enjoy align really well. And he doesn't cut corners on quality mm-hmm. and um, he's a genius when it comes to the flavor profiles in my opinion. Yeah. And so um, I never wanted to make a sauce, but we were talking and I was like, you know, maybe we can do like a limited run, but I want it to have exactly these ingredients. Cause these are the things that I think are like perfect and in my ideal hot sauce. And if you agree that we can like put these exact ingredients in there and it has this exact color and this texture and flavor profiles, and if you think this would work, um, yeah. then yeah, let's try it. Because I always thought it was going to be like conflict of interest that I'm going to like release a hot sauce and review sure. hot sauces simultaneously. And I didn't yeah. want to like have any like I didn't want to lose the trust of the people that watch the videos. Yeah, totally. And um, so, but um, it went fine. Uh, and uh, on the trust side, and uh, people loved the sauce. And um, uh, the first batch sold out super fast. The second one sold out insanely fast and amazing it's just kind of been um, what are you calling it oh it's called ghost of saffron 
is it. So it's a taco sauce. It's got a lot of roasted flavor profiles. In Tucson, he does everything. He does a lot of flame, like fire roasted ingredients. So okay, um, That's it's gonna have a little char in there, a lot of and a lot of body to it. Um, it's got ghost peppers and uh, Scotch bonnets, which are my two favorite, and they've got this like weird yin and yang burn to them. <laughs> um, saffron for a super premium ingredient and then yeah. um and then we've got a hotter version of it because i knew that people were going to want a, a scorcher uh yeah. so we made a hotter version and then um, we did a limited one called cafe mole which is a, a coffee mm. mole sauce dang and uh very very niche kind of sauce but um that's the sauce i always wanted to make yeah. And, uh, but not many people, uh, know what Appreciate like a mole, a mole is. Yeah. And so, um, I knew it was going to be kind of like a, uh, a specialty sauce, but people, people have had it. have loved it. Yeah. We have good, um, oh, now I'm, I'm blanking on it. Moles are from primarily from which state in Mexico? Uh, Oaxaca, maybe Oaxaca. Yeah. We have, we have some, we had a really great Oaxacan fine dining restaurant here in Salt mm-hmm. Lake and then some other just like. And not quite street food, but man, just great moles. And I was just in Austin a couple of weeks ago. I went to a, another Oaxaca and find out. I just love it. Moles, delicious. Oh, it's it's. I'm always searching for if it's on the menu. Um, I'll ask them. I'll ask them if it's a good mole, and they say if yeah. they say they. I was like, do you recommend it? And if they recommend it. I always get it because the there's either there's either good mole or there's everything else because it's normally it's normally <laughs> really bad because there's so many ingredients in it. You know, yeah, it's I mean, be consistent from top to bottom. Exactly. So if you don't want that to be like a sweet chocolate syrup kind of thing, if it has yes. like that complexity and you care about it, then it's normally going to be yeah. pretty good. So I'm always on the search for like the best one. Yeah. If you're in Salt Lake, there's a place called Red Iguana that that's like a top go-to place and they have like a dozen moles that are all very good. I wish I knew that prior. I'm in, I'm in uh, Salt Lake. I don't know. Not, not uh, maybe, I don't know, once a year maybe. Really? So I'll th- oh, wow. Yeah. I'll try to I'll check it out. I'll take you. Uh, so wh- do where did that. the... Where does ultra running come into the mix for you? You're obviously busy. You're spending a lot of plates. Um, t- tell me a little bit about that. How, how it came into your life and, and where it fits. Uh, running is that's my that's a huge passion of mine. It's my outlet. It's my escape from everything. Um, I I signed up for my first ultra before I ran my first marathon. I ran my first <laughs> ultra five weeks after my first marathon. My first marathon was in 2018, and I okay. ran a 50k like like five weeks after um, nice. my first marathon. Um, and then I just jumped in hard. And so, um, I love it. Um, I love the long distances. Yeah. I love Hills, you know, anything that can bring you to like, um, the really mental side of ultra running where you're like, you're living in that world where there's like a journey, you know, and it yes. gets really hard and you have to make it through that journey and you make it mm-hmm. out on the other side of it, that mental space that you go to and those really yes. long efforts, yeah. Um, that's what I'm always, I'm always chasing and I'm always, that's where I find, that's where my most happy place is. Yes. I, I hear some people like to talk about ultra running as like the, the top of Maslow's hierarchy, like ultimate and mm-hmm. sort of like self-actualization. But I think it's that combined with, it's the only time we get to exist at the bottom of the hierarchy as well, where it's just like food, water, you know, it, it, it brings you into the present like nothing else. And mm-hmm. you're just in the middle of like what, and it's not always suffering, but you know, suffering has a way of really making you present. I mean, they call it life in a day for a reason. You Absolutely. Know? So, I love, you know, oh, so yeah. you go through the whole, you go through the whole thing. You're, you're born, yeah. you die, you come back. <laughs> you're, you're, you're all over the place, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, man. It, it's the, it, yeah, there's, there's nothing like the, it's power to, to, to do just about whatever you need it to do 
if you know, I don't know. I feel like I'm talking about psychedelics now. Like if you know what you need it to do, you can Dude, enter I, into that space. I get it. I mean, like I totally like, I mean, there's a like endorphin rush that comes in a release. Like, I mean, like uh, if you're eating like a really spicy pepper, like something really, really, really hot, that yeah. is like a very concentrated version of what I would say. Like if you are in a race and you're, or an effort and you feel like you're going to quit or DNF and then mm-hmm. you finish. Like that's mm. the long drawn out version of that. Like mm. eating a spicy pepper is the the cliff notes version of that. Yeah. It just happens a lot faster. It's a lot of pain <laughs> and then a lot of feeling really good, you yeah. know? And so it's like they're very, very similar, just completely different time frames. <laughs> with with eating the spicy pepper, do you get the same sense of accomplishment when it's over? Like maybe not the same, but like is there a sense of accomplishment yeah. like I did it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Once you like once the the, the power of the pepper kind of leaves your body. There's like that endorphin rush that, you know, mm. that you get like, there's a sense of like uh, release that's happened. We've made this, made it through this like really hard thing. Cause sometimes it's just like, it's just like ultimate suffering where you just have to like sit there <laughs> and kind of like channel it and yeah. just become aware of how like much it might be hurting in your mouth. And then just know that it's going to be over and eventually it will. And you just feel a lot better coming back, coming out on the other side of it. <laughs> and there's just, there's no, once it's the difference. So here's, you know, as we start to talk about endurance through things in an ultra trail run, there's DNFing. W- once you eat the pepper, mm-hmm. you're in, you're in it to the, <laughs> to the, yeah, you can't really not. DNF. You can't really DNF it. <laughs> <laughs> what is the, uh, what what are the strategies of enduring like the hot pepper? Like you said, you just get real focused. You get real still. Like, uh, how do you, what, what are the strategies there? I, I try to like the best thing I like is to try to try to stay calm. Um, yeah. You're eating something like truly spicy uh, and just embrace it and kind of like let it in kind of thing. Um, and once you, if you can embrace it, it makes that suffering part easier. It's when you kind of like, get a little scatterbrained or you have like a little bit of a panic or something like that, that's when it can um, feel more intense than it really needs to. So normally um, I try to just kind of like sit back across my arms, I close my eyes. It, sometimes it's not very good for content on YouTube, but and they feel like you, you know, flying around, waving around and stuff totally. like that. Totally. Um, dumping milk on your face. Yeah, exactly. And there is a little bit of that too. Uh, but uh, if you can just embrace it and accept it, then it normally goes a little bit easier. You can control your heart rate a little bit better. You're breathing that kind of thing. And you know that you're going to be completely fine because these things can't really hurt you yeah. unless you have like some mm. sort of like preexisting cause, like, you know, high blood pressure, you know, oh, that's heart an issues. interesting take. Um, so if you have something like a preexisting, yeah, it's, it's like, absolutely. It's going to exasperate that. Cause you know, you know heart rate's going to go up, you know, sure. things, blood pressure, things like that. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, other than that you're just turning on pain receptors. So, man, if somebody jumped into the podcast sixty seconds ago, they wouldn't know that we we're talking about peppers. They would think that know, we're right? talking about ultra running. Like it exactly. is so, yeah, so, so. There's so many similarities, man. Yeah, like the closing your like embracing it. Like so, so many. Like my story is I've tried eight 100 milers. I've finished one of eight. I've DNF'd seven. And I'm which one did you finish? Zion, the Zion okay. 100 miler. I've done it four times total. The one I'm going back, I'm going back again next month for number five. I love the Zion That's awesome. Desert. That's amazing. I'm obsessed with the Zion Desert. That's amazing. Um, I've never been I to think, the. Yeah. Go ahead. I've just I've never yeah. been there. I would love to oh. check it out. You know, I, I'm a I'm a desert you know fanatic, and to me, the Zion Desert. There's just something about it that just feel. There's something about the way I feel when I'm in the desert. I can't explain it. I just lo- I just love it. 
I've been close. I've been to like a, I've done a backpacking trip in Canyonlands, and so oh yeah, close. yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I love it. It's like, it's like going to Mars. It's crazy, yes. you know. So much um, red. This yeah. race company is called um, Vacation Races, and they do some. Uh, they do a race in Bryce also that literally takes you to you know like at uh, at Disneyland they have a ride that's named after this area in Bryce, and I'm everyone's going to know it who's listening. I can't think of what it's called, but it's essentially looks like Mars. Okay. And it's the, it's a, it's Bryce like to ever do just like a really killer ultra on mm-hmm. Mars would be to do like their Bryce. They have a 50 K 60 K 50 mile or hundred mile. It's awesome. I would love to come out and do something like that. Most of my races are uh, pretty close to home for me. Like where I'm yeah. at. Yeah. yeah what's the speaking. scene like in Ohio? Great, great scene in Ohio. Uh, we got an amazing ultra running community here. Really? Um, that's great. Like the two leading uh, backyarders, you know, um, Harvey Lewis. Is Harvey and, there? Okay, that's cool. Harvey's in Cincinnati, and then Jen Russo. Uh, she's the okay. female world record holder. She's here too. No way. So, yeah, we got both of them here in Cincinnati. And so, uh, you know, this is ignorance on my part, but my, you know, I, I'm, I'm stereotyping Midwest. It's fairly flat there, yeah? Or is there... Yeah, no, we, um, so we live in Ohio River Valley, so we do have hills. Our hills are just, um, they're short and unforgiving. So, um, (laughs) it's not like the mountains out, it's not like the mountains in the Appalachian. It's not like, uh, like the Rockies where you're going to be able to get those, like, you know, thousands and thousands of foot climbs. You're going to get like a stupid amount of 500 foot climbs just over and over again. So, Mm -hmm. and we don't do switchbacks. So you go straight up them here. Um, so it just takes a little. It takes a little bit more, a little bit of work to get the elevation. Yeah. But um, I mean, you can you can definitely you can get all kinds of climbing here. It makes sense for uh, Harvey and Jen also to be in a place that, relatively speaking, is flat compared to the places you just named, like the Rockies and the Appalachian. Mm-hmm. But maybe there's a lot more ability. Like you're running a lot more. You're mm-hmm. not climbing as much as say like in the Mountain West or something like that. So to get these crate, like these people who can just who can do those backyards. <laughs> You know, how many times did Harvey just do it? Like he did 450 miles, so I'm not really sure how many yards that is, but <laughs> 109 so or something like that. Yeah. I'm gonna get, Have you done one of those? Uh, yeah, I bought my um, – I did Ohio's Backyard last year, and I'm doing it again um, oh. this coming uh, – in about five weeks. It's the nice. – uh, last year, it was the, the worst race I've ever had, and so I need to go back. In, I need to go what back. what way? Um, I, expectations? Yeah, I'm really hard on myself when it comes to like the the things I decide to take on, and yeah. I'm normally really good on the mental side of it. And the backyard broke me, and that was the first time I'd ever experienced that. Hmm. And um, so I, I want to go back and kind of prove to myself that I can go um, farther than I that I went last year. What What are you doing different going into it than last year? Um, so last year I. Uh, so I DNF'd at 92 miles last year and it got really cold. It was like 10 degrees outside at night. And I realized that I wasn't running my own race. I was running with a friend, a really good friend. Mm. And so, um, normally I can put myself in this like hyper-focused mental state of getting the task done. And I think I've realized that like by not doing it the way that I would be doing it, Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't able to kind of like lock myself into that zone. And then I got into like a little bit of a like non-believing kind of mood and it's so easy not to stand up there because mm-hmm. you only have like four or five minutes yeah. between, between you're going. It's and a brilliant race model. Yeah. It's, it is so much more brutal than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And so I, I think I'm just like, 
year one was a lot of like understanding because it was my first one and it's on a really good understanding of how the format's going to work and like how I need like the crew to be and how I mm. need to like plan on my side. Cause you have to have such solid crew. You you have to like, in my opinion, you have to take like all of your own choices just out of, out of the question. You got to just, somebody hangs out with you, they hand you a bottle and that's what you're taking. Like there's no, what do you want? There's no wow. time for that. There's wow. no time. Uh, like that, that, you know, four to six minutes you get between between loops is it's like it feels like thirty seconds. There's there's wow. no time. Wow. Yeah, I've I've I want to do one someday. I've, I have I have not done it. W- would you say you speak fondly about it? Is it is the backyard more your thing than say like a fifty k or hundred k or or are you kind of about all of it? I I I like all I, I like all distances. Um, uh, I just become like I kind of I kind of become like hyper focused on like one thing simultaneously. So for a while it was this like particular route that we have in Cincinnati called the Power Lines. It's like our okay. our local training ground, and okay. it's got a lot of hills, and that's yep. where we all train for hills. And I was like obsessed with it, and I started doing like every distance on the Power Lines. Mm-hmm. And once I had uh, which I once I finished what I wanted to get done on there, now it was time for like a new thing to kind of like think and ch- and really like challenge myself to, and um. And, uh, the loop, the loop part doesn't really bother me. So I'm like, you know, like, I feel like I'm, I enjoy the, the mental struggle of these things. And I just think that like a backyard format would be like fit my personality yeah. and, uh, and work for me. And yeah. so I'm just, I'm very, very intrigued by it. And I want to, I want to hopefully meet my goals this year and then hopefully continue to do them and see what I can really do in that, in that backyard space. You know? Yeah. What, what, it, if you don't mind, what, what is your goal this year? Do you have a number in mind or is it a feeling that you're going for? Like I have you, uh, so, it all out there. Yeah. So, so this year I want to, I want to go, I want to do 154 miles. So I want to, okay. I want to make it through the full day. I want to go through the, the trail again and then I want to do one loop at night and then I'll be, I'll and then I'll feel good. Like that's, that's, that's what I want for my goal. Uh-huh. And then I can go a little bit longer. I have to get on an airplane the night, the same day. Oh no. <laughs> so, I've done um, that before. It starts on a Saturday, so 100 yeah. miles would be Saturday. So I can technically go to like I could I could theoretically go to like 175 or 200, <laughs> and then I'd have to leave to physically get on an airplane. Um, but how how long um, is the flight? Uh, where am I going? I'm going to Arizona. Okay. So I uh, so I have to go to, where I I have to go to Houston and then Houston to Arizona. <laughs> but I gotta like. I got to, I got to, I'm bringing my son who's five and oh, so dang. it'll be a whole, a whole journey. So, um, yeah. So yeah, somewhere That's in the, the perfect snapshot of what Borderlands is all about. It's like, <laughs> I'm going to push the boundaries and then I got to go be a dad. On yeah. So I'm hoping that I've, it's, so I'm going to use the, the flight as a, uh, to keep going kind of thing where I can go, you know, um, I'm going to be pretty wrecked next week and I'm going to be like on this like vacation. So maybe I can actually take a vacation and not run for a couple of days. Yeah. And so I can, yeah, I can use that. Be like, you're not going to be running Arizona. So just <laughs> suck it up and get it done, man. <laughs> man, that, uh, that's great. Um, but with all of the things that you do and I mean, now to know that you're a dad as well, do you have other kids or just one five-year-old? Just, just, just one. I mean, I can't overemphasize like, and and it's because I resonate like the entrepreneurial mind that it takes to, you just keep what you do with hot sauce going. 
and then to do it with skateboards and then Mm -hmm. to have this ridiculous ambition Mm -hmm. that is so justifiable and reasonable, though ridiculous on the, when externally to those around you of ultra running. And then you're probably equally as ambitious as a father because Mm -hmm. we're not going to do anything that we're not going to like give everything to. Yeah. Um, what else do you have going on? Oh man, that's the, that's the, the, that mean that takes up a lot of my, a lot of my day. Yeah. Um, do you have so, like, and what uh, I mean by that is from an entrepreneurial standpoint, is there things living in the back of your head right now? That's like, Hey, wouldn't it be cool if I, you know, like, do you still have that dreamer or right now is everything co- sort of, I mean, I'm always doing, happy. I'm always doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, I mean, we have other stuff going on too. Like, uh, I'm, I'm a, I've got a, I'm a photographer, um, by trade, um, before oh. I did all this and I still have a few photo clients. And so hmm. I still keep that going. Um, I, we have a, like a children's clothing company that I also run that I do okay. on top of all of this. Nice. So there's always a lot going on. So we're constantly just trying to um, yes. put like push the envelope or, uh, come out with new things, do cool things, uh, you know, um, bring ideas to fruition, you know, and there's always an outlet between all, like all of those things. Yeah. Um, I focus a lot on the, the hot sauce industry in general right now. I just want to help grow it and make it as big as as possible. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a fantastic industry. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I think a lot of people are going to uh, resonate with that, w- with your ambition, though it plays itself out in different ways. There's nobody in, in ultra trail running that isn't ambitious. They're, they're, they're never just ambitious with their trail running, you know? It's, oh yeah. Of course. Sometimes it's like a, it's like a symptom mm-hmm. of this underlying ambition, this underlying fire to, whether it be to do great things or to do big things, it's just to do things that are bigger than ourselves and to find reward. We've got a taste of it before. And now it's like, we just can't stop, you know, going back. And, and yeah, I, I have a hard time just kind of like sitting still. Um, and yeah. like, so I'll just, I have to like do stuff, you know, yeah. and um, alter running or running in general. You know, I, I love all distances. I don't really care if it's short or long. Um, I prefer the long because that's where I get into the great mindset, but I like all distances. And, um, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just, I, I just, I, don't know. I love it. <laughs> that's great. Well, and, yeah, you're good. So, and to sort of wrap it up here, r- remind me again, what's the backyard called that you're doing? Uh, Ohio's backyard ultra. Ohio's um, backyard ultra. Yeah. yeah it's pretty, it's, uh, it's a pretty competitive one, unfortunately. Nice. Yeah. Me. What do you think the winner will do? Like what the winner do last year? Well, last year I think they went. I'm 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 going to get it wrong, but I think they went uh, two oh eight last year. Okay. Um, yeah, I think we had over thirty people at a hundred miles last year. Um, because I was still physically there, and I think they got the thirty, and that was the first year that they had over thirty people there. Um, okay. I think that this year the winner will go well over two fifty this year. I think unless the weather is terrible because it's March, and so. Mm-hmm. Um, like last year, we got rain, snow. It got ten, down to ten degrees. Uh, <laughs> we set up and broke down in the mud. Uh, like really? so, it was, yeah, it was pretty rough. Um, as far as like the weather goes, you know, a lot of mud, a lot of cold, a lot of changing yeah. stuff. So like the clothing yeah. issue, the clothing stuff was tough. And um, doing the road at ten degrees is, oh, man, that is yeah. brutal. And you said thirty people last year. Thirty people made to a hundred. Um, okay. so I think it'll be, and a lot of people are coming back. There's some, a lot of like really talented people that have gone there. Yeah. A lot of people that have, uh, ran it, gone on and done bigs backyard. Okay. Um, so there's, I mean, there's at least two off top of my head last year. We we're at bigs from Ohio. Um, hmm. it's a, it's a silver ticket race to get into bigs too. So, 
Um, oh, really? Okay. Well, man, I love, I love the connection, even just like as, as we wrap here, like the, to think about you saying, you know, setting up for that ultra last year, it's such a community thing, just like skateboarding. What I remember, mm-hmm. what I loved about skateboarding is, you know, like yeah. I had my, my crew that we were always out and there were other crews in Lubbock and just a little bit of ter- territorialism, but by and large, when, when we got over that super quick, it was just awesome to be together. And, and so I just love that, that idea of like the community being the thing that's also building the infrastructure, you know, yeah, like we, have participating. A, we have an incredible running community here in Cincinnati. Yeah. Uh, the main, we call ourselves studs slowly training for ultra distances and it's <laughs> a, an amazing community. So I've met like some of my best friends uh, doing it. Like I was just in my friend Jacob's wedding like a month ago and I met him like uh-huh. literally running on a trail, you know, and, <laughs> And he's turned into like one of my all-time best friends. So it's, oh, just, it's amazing. I love it. Well, hey, Brian, thanks for your time, man. I, I'll put all of your stuff that you got going on in the show notes and, and definitely send it out when we get the, the podcast out. But I just really appreciate your time and love what you're up to, and I hope to connect again. Yeah, dude, I, uh, thank you so much for having me. you got a lot of big names that have been on this podcast, and I'm humbled yeah. to you know, just be in here. So uh, More so to come. You, so you are the biggest hot sauce name that we've ever had. Yes. And I highly <laughs> doubt that there will be a bigger. <laughs> That's amazing. But thank you so yeah. much. Yeah, man, I appreciate it.